0: To the Yarn, a podcast from the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. And what a great privilege it's been to be part of the World Merino Congress in Uruguay and Argentina over the last couple of weeks. So I was lucky enough to speak at the Congress in Montevideo in Uruguay and afterwards head through those two countries to uh, see a lot of different merino wool growing operations and we're going to be bringing a lot of that to you over the next couple of weeks and in fact we'll be hearing from a wool grower from argentina from patagonia in fact a little bit later on the podcast but before we do though let's hear from a couple of australian wool growers that uh, were part of the tour in fact an integral part of the tour will roberts is newly elected as the world merino breeders president and georgina wallace is the President of the Australian Stud Merino Breeders and they had a lot to do with organising not only the conference but the post conference tour. Not surprisingly Georgina says that Merino growers from around the world have got an enormous amount in common.
1: We've all got similar problems and issues that we share. Um, It's been fantastic to see their country, see how they breed their sheep, see uh, see our wonderful Australian genetics here in, in uh, Uruguay and Argentina and I think it's been a, a wonderful trip for all involved.
0: Well it's no mean feat to have organised the uh, logistics and uh, not just another country or a couple of countries but a different language and all the rest of it so it's a great credit to um, the association uh, so thank you very much for, for doing that. Oh, uh,
1: look, it's, been, it's been our pleasure. I mean uh, I just see a lot of smiling faces today at the end of the trip and um, you know, we've had a few blips along the way but that's okay um, but um, I think everybody's thoroughly enjoyed it yeah. yeah. And, and the camaraderie between everybody's been fantastic
0: It has across the countries as well and uh, uh, Will, uh, one of the things I think that uh, struck a lot of uh, Australian merino breeders on the tour was just how reliant these countries are on Australian genetics we really uh, do lead the world in that regard
2: Oh absolutely Marius um, and uh that's not due just to chance but Australia's uh, been developing the merino for quite a number of years now and our environment allows us to sort of develop a merino that can go across a whole heap of different um, environments and uh, it's been remarkable actually to come over here and see the wonderful job they've done with the genetics they've sourced from Australia In what is a, a quite a different environment to where we breed our merinos? Well, that's a, that's a really good point, isn't it? Because in Uruguay you, we saw uh,
0: rainfalls of sort of above 1,500 millimetres, and then we went to Patagonia where they had down to you know 100 millimetres a year in a, in a cold, freezing cold desert, and uh, the merinos are thriving across all those environments. It's a, a really a great tribute to
2: uh, the Australian stud breeders in many ways. Absolutely, and that's. Um, What I think is important to pay tribute to is it's not the stud breeders that are here and now but it's the stud breeders that went before us and it's terribly important to understand um, what they did in the development of the merino to produce an animal that we've got now. So we're trying to refine and enhance what we've got and certainly stud merino breeders are doing that in Australia. But it's very interesting to come over here and see just the different types of sheep that they've produced. And certainly when we went through Argentina, there were some very different types that people were producing that suited their areas and different styles that stud masters sort of wished to produce. And it was
0: amazing, I mean, from a layperson's point of view, how... uh, how proud the, the breeders were and they had nothing to gain from showing their genetics to the Australian breeders because they were never going to sell a ram back to Australia. The hospitality they showed us Amazing. was absolutely exemplary. And, George, uh, um, what, what did you get out of it uh, from uh, an Australian well, point Well,
1: I think from what um, Will just said, I mean... The um, sheep that they're breeding here now, actually, um, from an Australian, one person said to me, we should be starting to get a bit worried. Uh, why are we, uh, you know, exporting these genetics? Because some, um, um, you know, some of the sheep that they're breeding here, both in Uruguay and Argentina, are, are very good. They're very good sheep indeed. So, um, yeah, look, we've, we've seen some fantastic sheep along the way, um, very productive sheep, and um, they're, on the, they're on the right track. So... Um, no, it's been really interesting seeing their country and, as well alluded to, seeing how the Merino breed can adapt from very high rainfall down to, you know, extremely low rainfall. Um, that's been really interesting to see. And, um, you know, and they've been tailor-making their, their flocks to their conditions. So, um, no, it's been um, very interesting to see all the sheep that we've seen here on this trip.
0: Uh, well, uh, particularly as a new world president, how do you feel about the uh, the export- exportation of, or the export of Australian genetics here? I mean, we haven't heard we've heard that no one can really increase their flock significantly anywhere. So, how do you feel about exporting genetics from Australia? Oh, I those think countries? it's
2: a wonderful thing, and we've got to do as much as we possibly can to to help countries develop. a a viable merino operation and I think one of the things that happens in a lot of these countries is that their biggest problem is feeding people not clothing people and so a lot of the countries to where we export genetics are actually killing more animals almost than they're producing so we're not seeing huge growth in in their numbers but um, I think it's important that Australian genetics are free to go around the world because we believe we produce the best that there possibly is and also uh, we need to share that knowledge and understanding that we've got in breeding merino sheep. Now, all the breeders are very keen to get your opinions on what,
0: they, what you thought of their sheep, um, uh, which I suppose was easy to do because they spoke your language or at times was it a bit of a diplomatic exercise? How did that go?
1: I think we were pretty frank with most of the breeders. In uh, Uruguay we saw they're basing a lot of their selection on um, objective traits and we saw some good sheep there but probably um, we we would have liked to have seen a little bit more classing of their their flocks there. In Argentina they're probably a bit more the other way Um, and some very very big productive sheep Um, and they're obviously breeding them for their particular type of country. So, and I suppose in in Uruguay, going back to there, they've got to adapt their sheep to extremely high rainfall. So, whereas down here they've got to adapt to, you know, pretty low rainfall. So... Uh, look, we've seen some, some good sheep along the, all along the way. Um, you know, it's a credit to them, really.
0: Now, Will, um, this has been a very successful trip. I think there's... How many Australians were on this trip? Sorry, Julie. Oh,
1: about uh, oh, 48, 50, 50.
0: Yeah, so uh, considering how far it is and uh, how long it took, a pretty good effort, tell us a bit about the next uh, conference in four years' time and uh, what, why would an Australian uh, wool grower or an Australian stud breeder head to the next conference, what's in it for
2: them? Oh, well, the most important thing um, for people going to the next conference, which is in Hungary and uh, Portugal, is to, uh, number one, experience the culture, um, to to look at the animals that they're producing, which will be different to what we're producing because their industry is based around a meat sheep. So that's why we go to different areas around the world um, everybody's got a different emphasis that they place upon their animals, so it will be a little bit different to what we've seen where we've been the, these last few days, where they're basing their animals upon wool. So, um, but it's terribly important that we go there, appreciate the animals they're producing, the culture they've got, and uh, it'll be a different form of hospitality. So, we're very much looking forward to our opportunity to go to Hungary and Portugal. So uh, yeah, a, a few years to start planning for it um,
0: from, from everyone's perspective. Um, anything else, George, you'd like to say?
1: Yeah. Oh look, you know, no, not, not really, but just um, look, I think we've all had a wonderful trip and it's been fantastic to exchange information and ideas and some of our issues between all countries. Um, and that's what it's all about, I think. Um, we all learn from it. I mean, um, even though we're one of the biggest wool-growing, you know, countries in the world, we still we still learn bits and pieces along the way. So I think that's really important.
0: Fantastic. Well, from my point of view, um, from someone who was paid to come here from AWI, thank you very much for um, including me in on it all. Um, a lot of interesting uh, speakers along the way, and I think hopefully Australian wool growers will hear and read about uh, what's happening over here, which I think a lot of people will be... I'm surprised to hear how how developed they are and how well they're doing it. Um, But uh, again, thank you very much um, for the opportunity. Wonderful to spend some time with you. And uh, all the best for the future. So that's Georgina Wallace, the President of the Australian Association of Stud Merino Breeders. And thank you again for their amazing organisation ability uh, to to have uh, delivered the tour. Uh, the post-conference tour and indeed uh, being part of that uh, World Marino Congress. And a special mention to Sally Hicks, their CEO, who uh, did a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, you know, you've got language barriers, uh, uh, sound, all sorts of barriers for that. and They did an amazing job of, of that. So uh, thank you to them. All right, let's head to Patagonia now. And it's uh, quite an amazing environment there, particularly southern Patagonia, where there are a lot of uh, merino flocks. And let's head to Leleckie Station or Estancia where we hear from Michael Goff. Now Michael Goff knows Australia well but he knows Leleckie better, he's been the stud classer there for 23 years. I think the environment is a little bit like, I don't know, Western, western New South Wales or sort of a lot of the pastoral regions in Australia, maybe even the southern Flinders. Instead of being hot, it's extremely cold, extremely windy, and you have the Andes in the background, snow capped Andes. And it's uh, quite an amazing environment, but a very good one for merinos. And uh, Michael Goff says that uh, this particular station has a very interesting past.
3: Well, this, this was a, an English company for nearly a hundred years. And it was bigger before, but now it's, it's 200,000 hectares now. And uh, there is more or less 100,000 sheep and more than 10,000 cattle altogether. No? And the Australians who have been here today have been very
0: impressed with the, uh, with the genetics, the size of the sheep. I think you run around 19, 20 micron for adult
3: A bit less, uh, 19 and a half more or less. That's, that's the, the average of all the, all the clip here. And um, obviously, it looks
0: like a very, very profitable operation for the Benetton company.
3: Yes, they have an, uh, two other big places also with, with sheep, but this one is the the, the one who does better than, than the other two. Right? And
0: tell us a bit about your role here as the classer, because obviously you've been here for some time and had a great influence on the genetics here.
3: Well, I, I started here nearly it's going to be 23 years ago when when the benetton family bought this this company i started with, working with them and well since then i've been the classer here and, and uh, that's the the way we am travelling quite often and what was the Australia. sorry what were, what were the genetics
0: like when you arrived and what have you tried to do uh, with the, the wool growing operation here and the stud operation
3: well the 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 sheep at that time they weren't so, so big like uh, now and uh, they were, the bulls were much stronger and since i uh, being being classed in here, I uh, put down the microns, nearly one microns and a half of all, of, of all the clip. You know, it was a, quite a quite a big job to do it but it takes, takes any amount of time to do it. Pat, you know? <laughs> I, I think you
0: were it, saying that you've got 10,000 use in every, uh, in every um, year group, um, but uh, you must have a sore neck from looking for all, the, through all those sheep every year. Um, how, how have you done that? You've, this is a very interesting relationship between Australian genetics and Patagonian conditions.
3: Well, that, that's, uh, I, I think the, the main thing to, to, that I, I made all this job is because I had the opportunity to go and buy rams quite often to Australia. And, and after well, all, the, all the work that we do over here, it's a hard work and, and it, well, it takes, takes time and, and, a, and a bit of luck also. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Uh, now to tell people
0: a little bit about the climate here because it's very hard to explain. Uh, I think you're on about four, 500 millimeters. Is it about that? Yes, it's more than 400
3: or 450 mils plus the snow in winter. No? And, and that gets winter, pretty, must get pretty deep. Uh, yes, in winter we can have, I don't know, 50 centimetres of snow down here and it gets really cold, you know, really, I don't know, sometimes 20 below zero. Than... My goodness, wow,
0: you certainly need a lot of wool for that. Yeah. Uh, now, you were talking before about uh, one of the biggest uh, hindrances for the wool growing operation is the predation. Um, now, we obviously have foxes and, and wild dogs mm. in pastoral regions, but you've got something much bigger
3: than that. Yeah, we have everything here. We have foxes, we have pumas, wild pigs, people, dogs. It's quite a hard, hard job to try and keep the the sheep uh, alive. Here. And you
0: do this through uh, through shooting, obviously, and poisoning. And I suppose there's not much fencing you can do when you're running this. No fences,
3: no. It's impossible. Fox. Um, yes, we don't have to tell this, we, but but we use not not in this place, but. Here they are't allowed to use poison here. but well, we try them catch the foxes with uh, traps or, or dogs, the same like the, the pumas you know, and the, the wild pigs are many old dogs. And you were saying, I think uh, that uh, your winning percentage could lift as much
0: as twenty percent if you yeah. did that. From yes, for what, sure. I think you were saying 65 70 percent, so you could lift it a lot more yeah, a lot without more, that yeah. predation. So it makes a yeah. big difference.
3: Maybe not so much the lambing percent, but the survival of the first, the first year of the of the lambs. No? We lose quite a lot of lambs after the, after the when, when they start with the lambing until the first year of the lambs. No? And yeah, just uh, I suppose you have to try a lot of different things. And how big is a, a puma? A uh, puma, a big puma is maybe it gets, I don't know, two meters and a half from the, the nose to the tail. You know? A big one, a really big one. You know?
0: Right, and uh, how high off the ground, uh, what, no, a no, meter, a or little a, bit, so, a, yeah, yeah, not yeah, quite a meter. Right. So uh, that's no, a no, pretty...
3: fifty, uh, 50 meters. Oh or yes, or half, so. half a meter. Yeah,
0: yeah but yeah. they certainly, yeah. Uh, Make a, a big difference. And what's um, your um, what's your feeling about the future of wool growing in uh, Argentina?
3: I think with the prices we are uh, getting now, I think the the, the, the marinas going, to, especially the marinas going to increase in this in this part of, of the, the Argentine. We had big, really big tr- droughts and also two or three volcanoes, and that made a really a mess of all the all the all the sheep. You no, know, because they had to shift all the, all the sheep, where well, the ashes were, because there was nothing to eat. No, it, it just all, ash covered the whole all, place? All covered with ashes, and they had to take the sheep to another part of Argentina. Has that been, uh, has, it been has, it, has it not recovered from that uh, the volcanic eruptions? No, no now yes, but the, the, the last volcano was uh, nearly three or four years ago, and we had another one ten years ago are not going to have any more No, it sounds
0: like a pretty devastating uh, situation. And the bad
3: thing, all the volcanoes are in, in Chile. They are not in the Argentine. All the wind brings all the ashes to the Brings island. it to your side.
0: Oh, yeah. dear. <laughs> um, well, this is very good. Cool. Thank you very <laughs> much for your time. It's absolutely amazing to see um, the property today and uh, your influence on it. Um, we look forward to seeing you in Australia yeah, again sure. soon.
3: Okay. I'm going to be in in Bendigo this year for sure. In
0: 2019. Fantastic. Look forward to uh, having a beer with you then. So that's Michael Goff, the stud classer at Lelecchi Estancia in um, Patagonia, Argentina. Just uh, one of many interviews that we'll be bringing to you as part of this uh, special podcast series from the World Merino Congress. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. If you've also got some questions that you'd like answered about AWI, send them to the yarn at wool.com. Again, thanks for your company. We look forward to catching you soon. Farewell.